Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. I hope this finds each of you so very well. I'm speaking to you from my studio in West Orange, New Jersey. Delighted to welcome my fellow Jersey boy, Noah Hammond Tyrell. Is it Tyrell, Noah? Is that it's the Tyrell? It looks like Tyrell. Tyrell, a Jersey boy turned spiritual mystic whose passion is talking about spirit, human potential, and creating lasting change in ourselves and on this planet. He will be speaking to us today from Draper, Utah, where he lives with his wife, Danielle, and their infant daughter, Lakshmi. Noah, who was educated as an engineer, discovered spirituality through the study of quantum physics. He lived a typical suburban childhood until a bad breakup in college sent him searching for answers and he became inspired to unlock the secrets of human potential and live a deeply fulfilling life. Noah is now a personal development and self-healing teacher and philosopher who has coached high-level entrepreneurs, helped his dad heal from a death sentence diagnosis, and help people to heal old emotional hurts to unlock their higher self and potential. In addition, he is the co-founder and CEO of Feel Good Hemp, the only hemp products company that offers a free self-empowerment program and community to its clients, something like Grief and Rebirth podcast, which is a healing community, and Noah is doing the same thing with self-empowerment. I'm looking forward to talking with Noah about the rebirth he, he experienced after the bad breakup that led to his journey of spiritual self-realization, his father's healing journey, his seven levels of change framework, the healing power and benefits of CBD hemp oils, and more for what will surely be an extremely interesting and very enlightening interview. Hey, Noah. A very hi. hi, welcome to Grief and Rebirth podcast. It's a thank you for having me on, Irene. Sorry, what'd you say? I said it's truly a pleasure to talk to you. You got about four hundred extra chits because you're a fellow Jerseyan. There you go. Hundred <laughs> uh, percent. We understand of, each other on a deep level now. Very much so. For those of you who um, are Jerseyites listening, Noah is from Rockaway. And uh, which is near Mar- Morristown, right, Noah? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I'm here in West Orange. But today he's speaking to us from Utah. Not shoddy. <laughs> Not too bad. Not too Up bad. Up in the mountains. Right. Noah, let's start by having you tell us about the distressing series of events, starting with your bad breakup in college that inspired your journey of spiritual self-realization and motivated you to become a personal development and self-healing teacher and philosopher. Quite a swerve from originally being an engineer. Yeah, so I was going to college to be an engineer and frankly, I hated it. I mean, I was doing it and I graduated with the degree and all of that, but 
when I started to realize that the prescribed plan for the next step of my life was to spend nine to five in some office with these people and doing the stuff that I didn't like, I, I really started to uh, think about how else I could make a living and do something I was more passionate about. And so jumping back though, to the bad breakup, um, you know, I'm not sure if I would call it a death and a rebirth at the time, but looking back, I can definitely see how it was the end of my sort of unaware walking zombie mode world to the start of something conscious and intentional. And it's, it's funny because so the, the bad breakup happened. Uh, it was just bad because it lasted so long. You know, my, my high school girlfriend and I went to college, at the same, you know, Rutgers university and, uh, and I sort of wanted to go do my own thing, but I was sort of unconfident, unsure of myself and didn't really know how to connect to my own emotions at the time. So instead of being clear and direct and straightforward and, and breaking up with the girl and going to live my college life, it sort of was just this long drawn out worse and worse and worse. You know how life has to get worse if you're not listening, right? Or if you're not hearing it, right? If you're not listening to the subtle whispers, then you got to get the brick to the head to figure it out. <laughs> um, so, you know, so it was this horrible meltdown breakup but really, what really, this is kind of a personal story, but what really kicked things into gear for me was after we had broken up, I was out with friends and this girl who was on my dorm floor, who had obviously been into me or eyeing me, we're hanging out, we're getting hot and heavy at some frat party or something, making out, right? We go back to the dorm and it's, and it's like time to get it on, right? And something's happening where... Um, you know, we're just, we're in my bed, we're making out, it's getting hot, shirts are off. And something happens where I go to take off her pants. And because she didn't like explicitly say to me, like, yes, I'm game for this or so, uh, something melted down in my brain, some sort of like weird thing happened. And I like hesitated and got weird. And then she felt weird. And then she left. And I was like left with this just huge question mark. Like what the hell just happened? Like what happened in my body being framework? What, what, what just malfunctioned? Right. Something, well, something definitely shifted. <laughs> yeah. Something mal. It was like, there was inside me, this, this sort of this timidity that was saying like, well, are you sure, man, that she actually wants to like have sex with you? Because meanwhile, we've been making out all night long. We're alone in a dorm room with our shirts off making out and, you know, we're drunk and we're young and we know each other. Well, it's like, duh, of course she did. But my brain like had this belief system or this pattern that just threw me into this totally unconfident place. And it was sort of that moment where I was, I literally said to myself, I said, I have no idea what the hell just happened, but it's never going to happen again. And that was like what started me. I'd already been interested in taking psychology classes in college, uh, but that's what really started me reading just endless amounts of books on personal development, uh, on, on psychology, on social dynamics, on, uh, on the human, on the self and, and how we operate and how we work. And um, I started my original teaching was as a dating and confidence coach for men. So that was how I actually built my first business out of college because I spent the next several years after that, just immersed in the topics of social dynamics, psychology, like the art of being cool, which really just led me to the art of knowing yourself, the art of natural confidence. So when I was a dating and confidence coach, I never said like, yo guys say these lines or do it this way. I helped guys to uncover their own innate natural self-confidence 
Um, and then eventually transitioned into, okay, this is bigger than dating and confidence. This is about, this is about being your greatest self. And I sort of switched into the mode of maybe a Tony Robbins, you might say. And, um, but it, it was just this cascading events that led me to deeper and deeper and deeper into spiritual realization, into realizing that this is really about that. So did you ever come to the realization of what happened to you in that moment? In that did moment? Did you figure that out? What had happened to you? I, it was just a firing of some, um, some you know, pattern or thought or belief that like she needed to give me more permission than she, like explicit permission was not granted. And I don't even, I never analyzed the specific thought pattern or belief that happened in that moment, but that's it what it was. You think it was a self-esteem thing in any way? Probably a mixture of that and, you know, some sort of belief about, you know, how this process is supposed to work, you know, to give it more context. Uh, I had never slept with anybody besides my girlfriend from high school before that. So I, I wasn't like used to this thing. Like I thought this needed to take longer. I thought this needed to be a, you know, a more direct communication or I don't know what I thought, right. but it was something that fired in, in the belief place that just took right. me out of my moment. It took you, it, it took you it took you on your journey to where you yeah were. so it's serving a much higher purpose and i'm very right. happy that it happened right, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> you're very happy it didn't happen in other words <laughs> exactly <laughs> um you describe yourself as a spiritual mystic so a lot of people don't understand what that means and how does that connect you with your work as a life coach noah so to me a life coach and a, a and the spiritual conversation are one and the same because we're having a spiritual experience on this planet. You know, we come from spirit, we are spirit, and the body is sort of the, the congealed spirit, right? So we're having a spiritual spirit, we're spiritual beings having a spiritual experience. So to life coach someone is to spiritually coach them, in my opinion. Um, but to give a basic definition of it, I think uh, it's really just about taking complex things, making them simple, taking these lofty ideas these things that are intangible that you can't necessarily feel, touch, taste, or smell, uh, just like our Wi-Fi signal right now, you can't feel, touch, taste, or smell it. But if you have an engineer from the Wi-Fi company describe to you how it works, he'll make it sound simple and it'll make it make sense. And that's all I really try to do with people as I've poured all this self-development, spiritual development, uh, and some of it ancient, some of it modern knowledge into myself. And then I've worked with my clients to actually overcome their life issues and achieve the, their goals in life and through various programs or one-on-one -on -one coaching uh, and all these years of working on myself as well, which is the best lab because everything I learn, I try on myself. If it Absolutely. creates relief or progress or momentum, then I bring it to my clients. And uh, all I'm really here to do is to take complex things and make them sound simple and doable and actionable so that people can, because Seeing is seeing is not believing in this realm because you can't see it all, but but doing is believing. When you do one of these techniques or modalities, when you transmute or alchemize some emotional grief trapped in your body, or you reprogram a belief that's holding you back in your life, and then you see life change, that's what makes you a believer. That's what gets you hooked. Yeah, and you and you and I have both become hooked because we've both done done a lot of our our own work. It's true. So, talk yeah. to us about some of the many modalities you use to help people heal, and what wisdom would you like to share with all of us about spirit, human potential, and creating lasting change in ourselves and on this planet? So, from a modality standpoint, I'd say that I've I've really come 
to a place where if my toolkit used to be 25 tools, now it's four or five. And I share almost all of them for free on our, on our platform, the Feel Good Library. Um, but the reason I bring that up is because um, there's a lot of different ways to get to the same place. I'll give you an example. I used to have this technique for processing emotional debris, whatever you want to call it, stored emotional energy in the body. You know, emotions, emotions, they're energy in motion. That's why you feel them because they're a tangible energy. And a lot of people don't realize this, but when you don't process or be with your emotions or have a, a technique for actually experiencing them and processing them all the way through, they end up trapped in the body and they create um, even physical and mental and, and, and emotional suffering, obviously. 100% um, with you on that. Yeah. And, and so back in the day, say 2011, I had this technique for processing old emotional grief that involved like meditating directly on the emotion and sort of going, getting through it by going straight into it. And it helped tons of clients and it helped me a ton, but sometimes it would take a long time, like an hour to go through some deep emotional stuff, right? Now I can do, get the same result from a different technique in a matter of minutes or a matter of moments, depending right. on the technique and, and which people are open to. So I'll, I'll just tell, you know, for the sake of, of naming a couple, um, one is called uh, EFT or tapping or emotional freedom technique. And it goes by all those names, exactly tapping. And I knew about tapping for a decade plus, but it wasn't until about 2018 that I got super into it. And I actually got so into it that I created some ways of using that technique that I've never seen anyone else teach. So I created a course called Tapping Hacks, and that's also out there for free on our platform. Um, but that, that is the best modality, in my opinion, for taking trauma out of the body, out of the nervous system. And it's really important to acknowledge that because we sort of are just like a floating nervous system, right? Like we think of ourselves as this whole body, but really we're, we're eyeballs, a brain and a spine and uh, nerves and the rest of it is sort of animated by that. And we're, so we're really a floating nervous system having an experience in a meat suit, right? In a <laughs> perceived physical world. So, but your nervous system can take on debris. It can take on programming and it can take on things that don't serve you. And tapping is one of the absolute best ways to deprogram um, that nervous system from You give from them an affirmation while they're tapping that matches what the need is that they, that they exactly. Have. And I can, you can actually use tapping to program or deprogram. So it can take out the negative and it can also implant the positive um, because something isn't true until it's true in your body. And I think a lot of people have experienced this. You, you get an affirmation, right? I am powerful. And so you go to the mirror and you look in the mirror and you say, I am powerful. And like 95% of you believes it. And 5% of you says, BS, yes. BS, <laughs> you're weak, you suck, you know it, right. you'll just keep failing like you did right. before, BS, 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 and then we try to just brute force our way through it. I am powerful. I am powerful. If instead we actually use tapping along with those affirmations, whatever's not resonant with I am powerful will be released from the body system. And when, and when so the way I do it is I measure it zero to 10. Zero to 10, how true is it for me? I am powerful. Oh, it's like an eight. Okay, you do some tapping, you get that up to a 10. When something's true in your body and in your mind, that's when it's actually true for you, right? It's like, we all try to fake it till we make it sometimes, but 
it's more about like actually just becoming it and right. then you, and then you have so it. So the tapping helps you not to fake it anymore. It really helps it happen. And what are some of the others that you do? So I also really like uh, parts work or parts integration. I don't know if it goes by other names than that, but what it's really about is about understanding that there are, we all have multiple personality disorder, right? It's not a disorder. It's just how human beings are. We're all a different way when we're hungry. We're all a different way when we're happy. We're all a different way when we're inspired versus when we're depressed, when we're around certain people, we have different strategies of operating this being to receive love, to receive safety, to receive whatever we think is important, but it's pretty much comes down to love and safety, right? Um, and a lot of these strategies were developed when we were five, seven, eight, right? And they're sort of running on autopilot. This yeah, is the part of how me- we had to survive in our environments at that time. Exactly. And it's the best idea that we could come up with at that time, right? So um, but the way a five-year-old figured out how to cope with the world might not be working for you when you're in your thirties or forties or beyond. Right. So, but using parts work, parts integration, what you can actually do is contact that part of your personality, have a dialogue with it, understand it, understand where it came from, understand its loving intentions. Also understand what it's learned from its journey of of being in that strategy and that role for this time period. And then how can it use those skills that it's learned in a new strategy moving forward that actually holistically supports your life? And I've probably done this technique 25 times on myself. Um, very heavily when I first learned it, it was like, oh, I got to fix that. Got to fix that. <laughs> Anytime there's a repeating pattern that I see in my life that's not working, I go, is parts work something I need to do here? And, you know, sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, but it's always something I check in on because it's so dang effective. And basically, once you give your part a new role, then it operates in that role for you on autopilot, right? Our 95% of what we're doing, thinking, being is happening on autopilot from our subconscious mind. So if we can access that, those programs and upgrade them, that's what parts work is really great for. Um, so I use tapping a lot for... Uh, deprogramming emotional, mental stress, reprogramming uh, new new belief patterns. Um, and then I use parts work a lot for that. And then I'd say um, the other main element of what I use techniques for is alchemy, right? So sometimes when you have, let's say, uh, a painful memory or uh, some sort of disbelief in yourself, um, for whatever trauma. reason there's a time and a place where I feel like alchemy is what you need to do instead of uh, tapping or something like that. And, and so some techniques for simple alchemy I teach as well, where you're, you know, you're breathing, you're visualizing and you're transforming the energies within you. Um, and I'd say the last main uh, sort of area that I go to with techniques these days is contact through your higher self. Uh, there's a guy named Chris Duncan who teaches this in a cool way and who inspired me to, to do it the way I do it. But, you know, basically from a yogic perspective, we're a physical body, we're an astral body, but we're a causal body. Causal body, you could say is one with spirit. The astral body, you could say is your soul, your individual spark of spirit. And then the physical body is, is the meat suit, right? Um, so the beautiful thing is to recognize that our higher self, our causal self, meaning it causes creation, right? It's the source, whatever you want to call it, your source self, your higher self. It's the one that is guiding everything else. 
right? Energy, everything in our life starts from that plane and sort of congeals down into the astral and into the physical. And so if you can go to the causal and give it new instructions, it can send new direction down into the astral and into the physical. And there's ways to do that that aren't too complicated or too wow, time that's intensive. Cool. That's very cool. Yeah. And it can also help you to release resistance, um, break repeating patterns in your life that aren't serving you. And, you know, it's all, I think the thing, I think the other part of your question was about, you know, the message I have about holistic healing and, and creating you know, lasting change. Yeah. Spirit, so, human potential, creating lasting change. So I'll definitely share my seven levels of change. I think you'll That's, probably ask me about probably, that in yeah. a second. Yep. But, but one thing is to recognize that every change we make to ourselves ripples out into eternity, right? Like every, and, and it's for ourselves first, right? So when, like when I talk about why bother doing this stuff, it's because every day you get to live one more notch joyous, one more notch grateful, one more notch loving, right? You get to be the change you wish to see in the world without being cliche. You literally get to transform yourself and a, a really enlightening and awakening book for me on this topic was Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. Very famous book. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard of it. Um, you know, George Harrison from the Beatles used to hand out books and books and books to anyone who, who walked into his home. That's how I got my first copy of it in about 2010. My friend gave me a copy. And it's basically, it's, you know, for your reader or for your listeners to hear, it's the first person account and autobiography of a yogic master, Paramahansa Yogananda. So it's magic. And it shows you what the absolute heights and depths of human potential truly are. And at this point, when I got that book, I'd already been a life coach and, and mentor and had tens of thousands of people on my email list. And you know, I was absorbing personal development books like a maniac and, and teaching and sharing. And when I read that book, I was like, wow this is what's really possible for us. And I remember asking, I went out on a full moon night uh, and asked for a guru to the universe. And two weeks later, I was literally sitting in front of my guru, my spiritual teacher, uh, who was on his yearly tour. He Once a year, he leaves India and goes and speaks around the world. And um, you know, I learned the same techniques that Paramahansa Yogananda taught, but I learned it from a living master. And I've been practicing it every day for about 11 years now. Wow. And yeah. And it was, you know, so Talk I think about life changing. Yeah. It's, it's life changing. I think that's, that's the message I'm trying to get to the audience right now is that yes, it's about getting what you want and, and having less of what you don't want. And of course that's where we need to start because we're humans and we have desires. Eventually though, it becomes about realizing what you truly are, which you could call source. You could call love. You could call pure potential right? Like when you look at a baby, I have a six month old right now, right? You never looked at a baby and said, you know, that baby really needs to work on raising its vibration, <laughs> right? Raising your vibration is a popular term in our, our self-help right. world, right? It's about, oh, you got to up the vibes. So you got to do gratitude exercises and you got to do this and you got to do that. And all that is helpful. And it's a great way to retrain. But if you look at a baby, you'll see that we started out this way. They're we already start, there. They're already you're, there. You're already there. But we just have to uncover the muck and the mire that has covered over the, the shining, beautiful light that you actually are. And that's the beauty. It's like it, life is meant to be a journey into hell and a journey back to heaven, right? When you're a baby, you're already in heaven. 
You're looking at the world. You're smiling all the time. Every little thing is so interesting. You're just delighted. And of course you cry and you get some help, and but then the tears go in an instant and you're back to the, the beauty of life. And I think a lot of us, as we go through life and it's hardships and it's trials and it's tribulations, we get the muck on us and we don't know how to get it off. And so then we just start to go like, well, I guess having some muck on us is how I'm meant to live. So, well, they, start, they start to accept that that muck is supposed to be part of our lives instead of saying, no, this muck is a learning experience. And how do I get rid of that? And what do I learn from that as I move from it? That's what I came here to do, right? Would you agree with that? Exactly. And as you move through each layer of it, you feel lighter, you are lighter, you exude more light, and you literally change the world with your vibration and with your love, like great masters and saints and sages uh, who we remember throughout time have with their beingness. So on that, so tell us about your seven levels of change framework. Absolutely. I actually have a, a picture of it that I'll, I'll share my screen okay. for those who are watching and then I'll describe it in a way where if you're on yep, the podcast, for those who are listening, yep. you can, you can totally get it. But seven levels of change is something that I created after working so much on myself and with so many clients over, you know, a decade plus, and just seeing what does it really take to create lasting change? And why is it that the gyms fill up on January 1st and empty out on February 1st? Why is it that 98% of people who set a goal don't achieve it? What is in people's way? So this third level right here is the one that we're all super familiar with. Actions, habits, systems, doing what it takes, right? To give a a really simple example, the weight loss example, if I want to lose weight, what's the average person say? You say, well, I'm going to go to the gym this often. I'm going to eat these foods. I'm going to not eat those foods. I'm going to drink this much water. I'm going to wake up at this time. I'm going to get this much sleep. I'm going to go for this many runs. Do, 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 do. This is what I'm going to do, 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 do. And the reason why most people fail is because there's six other layers to this pyramid, right? So let's start at the bottom. Environment and community. You want to optimize your environment and your community to support your goals. So if you're living in a house with people who eat McDonald's for dinner every night, Versus if you're living in a house where there's literally nothing in your fridge, but whole foods and organic, glorious produce, well, you're going to have an easier time losing weight if you live in that second house. So optimizing your environment is absolutely key and critical. And that's, that's your environment and your community, right? It's not just where you live, but it's around about who's around you, right? Right. Because they, if they're, if they're watching that you want to make changes and they're negative about it, it's not going to be helpful to you either. Exactly. It's just more you have to overcome to go get where you want to go. So then the second level up is energy and vitality and having it in high supply, right? If you're going to make a change, guess what? As soon as you summon that desire to make a positive life affirming change, Well, there's an equal and opposite reaction in the universe called resistance, the negative force that'll try to suck you down, that'll try to keep you stuck where you are, that'll try to uh, avoid the change because it's just, it's duality. We live in duality. So when you bring positivity, some negativity is going to show up, right? Mm -hmm. And so you need to have the energy to blast through that. And so this layer is all about asking yourself, where can I reclaim lost energy in my life? Am I spending too much time scrolling social media and arguing about nonsense with people? Am I spending too much time watching the news and looking at things that I have no control over that are getting me down instead of doing what it's going to take to 
lift me up and go where I want to go. Right. And, and I speak about CBD in this layer a lot too, because how much energy are you spending on inflammation in your body that maybe something as simple as taking a CBD cap every day could remove that energy being spent on inflammation. So you have extra energy to spend on creation. Absolutely. So, We're going to talk about that in a little while too. Absolutely. Exactly. So energy and vitality is the next one. Actions, habits, and systems is the third one up. We all know that one. The next level above that, the fourth level is skills and strategy. This is really about mastering your, your approach, right? So if, I'm, if, if I've never worked out before, that's going to be a problem when I go to the gym. I'm not going to probably get the result I want. Or maybe I have the wrong strategy. Maybe I want to lean and tone and I'm doing workouts that are going to bulk and build, right? Do I have the right strategy? This is kind of like Abraham Lincoln saying, if I had four hours to chop down a cherry tree, I'd spend the first three sharpening my ax. That's his strategy. And it's a smart one. And a smart strategy makes the efforting much, 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 much less, right? So instead of chopping for four hours with a dull ax, he's going to chop for an hour or less with a sharp one, right? That's what skills and strategy is all about is making sure your ax is sharp. Now, the next one up we've actually already touched on is your nervous system. Mm-hmm. And I say freedom from your past is what this fifth level is about, because this is a huge reason why people have repeating patterns that they can't seem to change. It's because the energy of those patterns is stored in their nervous system. So um, there's a very famous book on this topic called The Body Keeps Score. And what it basically talks about is how the body has its own intelligence. And we also don't have just a brain in our head. We have a brain in our heart and we have a brain in our gut. There's actually neural networks and neural connective cells in our hearts and in our guts, which is why people say, I just know in my heart that blah, 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 or I just feel in my gut that yada, yada, right? We are actually thinking with those parts of our body. And so using things like tapping, um, other, other techniques too, but mainly tapping um, from my point of view is how we take trauma, stress, and memory out of the body and, and give it a clean, give it a clean slate. You know, an example from my life is I grew up in Jersey, being a tough Jersey kid, playing football, playing sports, played rugby in college for Rutgers, uh, and then went into tons of martial arts from there. And so I spent my whole life fighting in one aspect. And uh, there was a time a few years back where I was like, why does my business always feel like a fight? Why does my life feel like a fight? Why do I feel like I'm a warrior who has to be at war 24-7? And it was because there's all this fight energy in my body. And when you free yourself from that energy, then you have freedom from your past and you, you actually have the ability to create something new, right? And this one eluded me for a solid decade in my personal development journey. So it's really, and people might've never heard of this kind of stuff before, but it's very important to know it because- It makes a lot of sense, Noah. And I want to ask you, when you talk about freedom from your past, do you also deal with past lives or it's just in the current life? So I don't do past life regressions personally. I haven't accessed a technique or a tool that I think gives me or the common person like relevant, accurate information on that. Um, I'm much more about just doing what I can with what I have, with what's in front of me right now. And if there is some past life stuff, if there is some, some scar, um, which, which would be the yogic way of talking about a congealed energy that left the last life with the soul and then incarnated into the new body with the new, with the new body, um, well, that's a pattern I can work out all the same. And just doing my work with what's in front of me right now. I don't need to know what happened in those past lives. I don't need to know that I was a this or that. I've been told by people before I was a this or I was a that and I was a yay and a nay. And, you know, I've been in a room before where 
half the people in there were King Arthur and the other half were the princess of Persia. You know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> I just don't worry myself too much with that because it's, it's not tangible enough for me to make uh, an accurate like movement forward. Gotcha. gotcha. You know? I but I know that there are, I'm by no means foo-fooing it. Cause I know that there are definitely people out there who can access the Akashic records, who can see their past lives very accurately. Um, I just, for me personally, have never found too much benefit in it. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious. Okay, you yeah. want to go up to identity and values and beliefs? Yes. So the sixth level, identity, values, and beliefs, knowing thyself. It's so important because what I always say is that belief precedes response. And so I'll give you a very, very easy uh, an analogy or example. If I was in the forest and I saw a brown bear charging at me, um, my whole body would go into a response. I would pump cortisol. I would pump adrenaline, literally more blood would rush to my fingers and my toes to give me more mobility to fight this threat. My whole body would go through a reaction because I see a bear charging at me in the forest. Now let's imagine that I know, or I think I know that it's not a bear. That's my buddy in a suit. And he's messing with me right now. Just from believing that whether it's true or not, none of that stuff happens in my body. It could literally be a bear. The bear could get up to me and eat my face off but I would have had none of the adrenaline, none of the cortisol, none of the blood rush, none of that stuff, because I believed that's ah, just my buddy messing with me. And so why this layer is so important is because belief precedes response. So for example, going back to the weight loss thing, if I believe that I'm a fatty and I'll always be a fatty, how likely am I to, and obviously that's lodged in my subconscious mind because no one's going to say that out loud to themselves, but 95% of our life is being run by our subconscious mind. I it's on autopilot. That. Absolutely. Yes. So, so if I go to the gym and I don't get an immediate, you know, I go to the gym for a week and oh, I still look fat. Well, that belief now is going to grab onto that and go like, you know what? This is so stupid. I'm a fatty and I'll always be a fatty or your identity or your values, right? If I don't value healthy eating, if I don't have the identity as a fit person, right? A fit person gets two pounds overweight and they correct it because they have the identity of like, I'm a fit person. I stay in shape. Person who doesn't have that identity will, will have a different response. When they put on 10, they'll go, oh yeah, it's been a hard year so far, right? Instead of, oh, what am I doing? I got to work this Absolutely. off. Absolutely. Right. So that's the next layer up. And then the last layer, the seventh layer is your intuition and your purpose and living intentionally. And the reason why this is the top layer uh, is because it's sort of, it's my opinion that we, we don't really choose what's for us in this life. We, from this perspective, from the person perspective, from the ego, the identity that thinks I'm Noah, I grew up in New Jersey, it's 2022, the, you know, I like to use dollars for this and I like to travel over that person who has desires and has wants and has needs and has all these things. I don't think that person plans my life. I think that the version of me that's one with source that has this amazing, immaculate way to see not only into my life, but into the past lives and into the future lives and into the highest realization of my potential, that version of me has laid out the game, right? And so the reason why this is the top layer is because a lot of people chase things that are not for them. And the way to correct that is to actually have a practice of and a connection to your intuition, your higher nature, your source consciousness, your omnipotent being, whatever you want to call it, source, universe, uh, intuition, God, right? Whatever word works for you, 
to have a connection to your highest self and to source as best you can your direction and your intention from that place, I think is the smoothest ride a human can ask for. Then you can help people to access that if somebody is really not in touch with that part. Yeah, we actually have a free course called Increasing Intuition that's also on our platform. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So now I want to move to your story of your healing journey of both your of your with your father, um, which is this amazing story, um, your father and you, which led to the creation of your company, Feel Good Hemp. So first of all, you're helping them feel good before they have the hemp, and now you're helping them feel even better with the hemp. So tell us all about that. Yeah, this this one felt like a real death and rebirth. So I was newly married to Danielle. We were living in an apartment in Los Angeles. And I was running actually at the time a marketing company for other coaches, consultants, thought leaders, spiritual entrepreneurs, right? I'd done such a good job of marketing myself. They started asking. So I built this whole team of 10. We had this whole digital marketing company for those people. And I decided to pivot something in the business and it just crashed it like literally overnight, literally in a month. I had to let go of my whole team. Uh, I had no money in the bank. I paid everybody every cent they were owed and I was left with no money in the bank and rent due. And I'm on my knees, like, what the hell is going on, right? And that's when I get the call from my mom. Noah, you got to come down to San Diego. That's where my parents live now. Uh, Your dad's sick. He's in the hospital. It's bad. So I'm on my knees for a second time, right? I'm just angry. I didn't know. We didn't know exactly what was going on yet, but I just knew it was bad. And I was super angry. How old were you in that moment? How old were you in that moment? You're losing Uh, your dad. How old are you? I am... Let's see. I'm 36 now. So I was 33 or 32 at that time. Young to be losing your dad. Yeah, definitely. So I get to the hospital and I walk in, I see him there and he's literally, he's gray. He looks lifeless. He's lost 60 pounds in a month. I mean, he's just looks terrible. Right. And he looks up at me and he's sort of apologetic and scared and just says it's cancer. And, you know, I could just hear it in his voice that he, he was terrified and um, cancer of the what cancer. He had stage four liver cancer. My he had God. a tumor on his liver he, about the size he had of never, a mini he had football. never gotten any um, heads up. It no heads up. This is our first heads up. Wow. He's and got a tumor four. on his liver the size of almost a football. Oh, my God. Covering 60 percent of his liver stage four liver cancer. And the diagnosis is, sir, you have three months to live. Now, at this point, I'd done enough personal healing, healing of others and, and work in the space where I said, okay, yeah, no, we're going to, we're going to fight this, of course. So I went home and uh, I started researching and, and just looking at all the different things I've done in the past and thinking, what's the best way forward here? And the two things that I landed on, one was a Rick Simpson protocol, which is a hemp oil protocol is popularized by a Canadian guy named Rick Simpson, which is why they call it that. Um, But it's called, so RSO oil, Rick Simpson oil, it's basically just hemp oil, right? And and THC and CBD was part of that protocol. And the other thing that we decided to do was juicing, specifically with a lot of beets and carrots because they're very good for the liver. And uh, and my wife had previously cured her Epstein-Barr syndrome using just juicing and bone broth. And so I knew juicing was super healing and was going to give his body the nutrients that it needed to rebuild itself. And then the THC is specifically aggressive against cancer. And the CBD is very holistically anti, anti-inflammatory, so anti-cancer. And so we went to work. I 
was super broke and I just now, decided- Was he totally open to this or say like, what are you telling my me? My dad grew up in Queens, New York. Now, that's why not... I'm asking you. I mean- <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's an old hippie. So that I think the THC and CBD and the hemp oil, while he wasn't you know actively engaged with cannabis at the time, he was open to it. Um, the juicing, I made him the first one. I made it super sweet. I put like all this extra apple juice in it to make it sweet. He took a sip. He's just, ah, eh, gross. I said, I said, dad, I don't care if it tastes like a horse's butt. If it's this or death, you drink the damn juice, man. And so he, you know, he's playing around. He gets over it and starts drinking the juice. And, you know, of course, a week later, he loves the taste of it. And, and he drank it for several months after his cancer was gone too. Um, but yeah, with regarding the whole business stuff, uh, I just said, screw it. I'm not going to rebuild anything right now. I've got a couple personal clients that I've been working with for a long time. I can at least pay some meager bills. I'm just going to focus on my dad right now, right? Which for me was a big leap of faith and surrender because I've always been an entrepreneur and I've always been building things. And I just said, screw it. It blew up for a reason. I downsized us, moved us into this little apartment, little two bedroom in San Diego, um, and we went to work on healing my dad. I was literally at the grocery store, having the grocer go into the back and bring out beets by the case. So I was walking out of the grocery store with a big cardboard box full of, you know, 50 bunches of beets or whatever. And my wife and I were chopping and shucking and juicing and delivering him the juice every day. Wow. And, uh, we went to work as a family and as a community, right? We had lots of people praying for him and, with the hemp oil protocol, we, we ramped it up over time because, you know, the CBD, it's not psychoactive. So we could start at a high dose right away, but the THC, obviously it gets you high. So we started him on like five milligrams, three times a day of THC, then went up to 10 and 15. By the end, he was taking 35 milligrams of THC three times a day, which uh, for people who might not know, you know, if you want to party and have a good time, you could take like a 10 milligram gummy bear and have a party. Right. And he was taking over a hundred milligrams wow. a day, right. At the height of it. So there was times of course, where during that he could, he get super stoned and he would just go off into his room and put his headset on and listen to some funk music or whatever. That's and so just, terrible. Yeah. Not too terrible. <laughs> not too not terrible. Too terrible. How long did it take for him to get a complete, um, so you had three months to live and how long did it take for the doctors to be blown away and for him to get a complete good bill of health? So complete good bill of health, four months total. But we months, knew we were, so it was a month more than he was given the sentence that he was going to die. Right. And, but we knew that it was working well before that, because about six weeks into the protocol, uh, we did a new MRI on the tumor and new blood work and it had shrunk by over 30%. Wow. And so then we really knew we were onto something. We kept going, I think probably by about two and a half, three months, there was no living tumor tissue left on his like there was still tissue there that the body was processing and getting rid of, but there was nothing left living. And then by four months, he had no tumor tissue, no, uh, no tumor markers in his blood work. And they kept checking on him every three months, new blood work, new MRI every three months, uh, up until just about maybe six months ago. Now they switched him to every six months because he's just been completely cancer-free ever since. And it was over four years ago. That's amazing. And what did the doctor say about all of this you know the doctors god god bless them they're part of a system that is slow to moving and and loves to believe that it has all the answers when it doesn't and loves to believe that if it doesn't have an answer that an answer doesn't exist when it very well might so when we first told them what we did the the liver cancer specialists literally put their hand up in my dad's face and said 
sir, if you think you got some sort of placebo effect from some other thing you tried, that's wonderful, but we don't want to hear about it. Um, But to their credit, a couple years later, after every three months, clean blood work, clean MRIs, because the way they talk about it, they never say you're cured of cancer. They say it's in remission. It's like always just waiting in the wings, ready to come back and take over again. And um, while that might be the case for many liver cancer uh, patients, uh, certainly not for my father. And uh, so after about two years of completely clean everything, they finally started to go like, what'd you say you did again? Tell me about it. And you gotta, I mean, like I said, God bless them because being a liver cancer specialist Poor people. They literally specialize in watching their patients die horrible deaths. Like stage four liver cancer, you don't get, you don't get a treatment. You get to die, right? right. And that's another interesting conversation. I think that will be for another time. Why do people choose that as their mm-hmm. as their um, as their exit like strategy? Their, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one as your exit strategy, and two, why do you choose that as your to watch? people who have very little hope well i I think they they imagine that they will come in and make a difference and somehow make a breakthrough but then i think they get get in the system and they get beat down just like anyone who's in a system uh, can get beat down and i think they start to lose their sparkle and shine and they start to think this is the way it is and you know that always uh breeds sort of a a a lack of momentum a lack of progress you know and so so, but they did eventually ask, which I give them credit for. And the reason I brought up all the business stuff and we're talking about, you know, rebirth, this company came out of that. And I always thought that the rebirth or the story of this company was, you know, the story of my dad's miraculous healing. And it definitely is. But the interesting thing was, was that, you know, my business bottomed out um, and I just focused on helping my dad and surrendered in that aspect. And then the new the new mission was delivered to me by me doing that. I, you know, dad, what, your dad provided you your new door. Exactly. And you know, he would have never known door. he was doing that. And I would have never known he was doing that. I just focused on what was in front of me and let the divine handle the rest. But you and you were ready to walk through the door. So for those who don't understand, it's conceivable that some people listening to us are not that familiar with CBD and those products. What does CBD stand for? And um, we're listening to the healing power of many benefits of cannabis. I know that one of them is that it brings on inflammation, but I'm sure there are more. Mm -hmm. And the difference between, you know, your regular um, cannabis and the hemp oils. And how can people find these best, the best products? Because I'm sure there are different grades of it also, right? There are different qualities and all that. So give us a little primer about all of this. Yeah. So CBD stands for cannabidiol or cannab. I should know how to say it, cannabidiol. Um, but basically what that is, is just one of over 114 different cannabinoids that are present in the hemp plant. Wow. Now CBD and THC are the most abundant, which is why you've heard about those the most, but science is always evolving in this field and isolating more and more of the unique and rarer occurring cannabinoids for use, right? So now you'll start hearing things about CBN and CBG and CBDA and Delta-8 THC and all these different things are coming out because the science keeps getting better. Um, But the important thing is not CBD. And I like to say 
this to people. I think of CBD as people think of vitamin D3 or vitamin C, right? It's something you put in your body that your body knows how to use that helps your body to work with optimal wellness. And the reason that is, is because there's actually something called the endocannabinoid system. So big fancy words, what it means is there are receptor sites throughout our whole body that are meant to receive cannabinoids, just like there's receptor sites for other vitamin compounds or minerals, there's receptor sites for these compounds. And when, and they're in every part of our body in every major organ in our brain and our lungs and our guts and our, our heart. In other words, in, since the beginning of man, we've used these products and we are it, our body. Exactly. And they've been remember. available via nature. So it's so natural to us that cannabinoids are passed in mother's breast milk to the child. Wow. Mother passes cannabinoids to baby. So what the cannabinoid system does, the ECS, it regulates harmony in each body system. So when the cannabinoids come in contact with the cannabinoid receptors in your heart, they help your heart do its thing in harmony and in the brain and in the bones and in the muscles and every, which is why you keep hearing about so many different things that people are taking CBD for, right? We've had people take it for anxiety and depression for, uh, early onset dementia symptoms for IBS and Crohn's and gut problems, uh, for chronic pain or arthritis for weight management, diabetes, blood sugar management, uh, for, so, I mean, uh, the list goes on, right? And I, know, I know it's also a sleep aid. I know that it's, it's oh, sleeplessness or helping people sleep is one of the biggest reasons. I knew I was forgetting one of the main ones. That's one of the biggest reasons people take it. But what's really happening is, you know, when a system is under stress, the weakest link goes first, right? I learned that in engineering school, right? If the, the bar of steel is under too much pressure, wherever the, the worst part of the steel is, that's where it's going to break, right? So the same is true with our body, right? When the whole body is under pressure or stress, when we don't have, when we have a deficiency of cannabinoids and our cannabinoid system can't regulate the harmony in our body, um, whatever's weakest goes first. So for some people that's a chronic pain here, or some people that's a Crohn's here, or some people that's early onset dementia starts. And all of these things I've seen remedied via just getting some cannabinoids in the body. And CBD is the best one for most people because it doesn't get you high like THC, it's very available, and it has the most benefits out of all the cannabinoids. There's you know 40 different benefits. CBD's got 33 of them or 36 uh, of them, right? Now there are different companies, so you probably have your own company or your own source that you deal with, right? Of course. That you favor. And um, that's probably on your website. I would assume we'll get to that. Are there any negative side effects from cannabis and CBD hemp oils? So speaking specifically to CBD, there's no known negative side effects. Wow. The only uh, thing that you need to focus on is um, if you have a medication that says, don't take this medication with grapefruit juice, that's, that's because there's an enzyme in your liver that is, that would be used to digest the grapefruit juice that would also be used to digest your medicine, right. Or your pharmaceutical, right. So if you're taking a medicine that says that what you want to do is make sure to space out when you take CBD and when you take that medicine. Um, and, but what I'd say is like, 
I mean, they did studies where people were taking hundreds and hundreds and even in the thousands of milligrams per day and seeing how the medication interactions were. So for the average person who's not going to take any more than maybe 30, 60 or 90, maybe total milligrams per day, you don't even have to worry about that. But that's the only consideration. And the funny thing is for the longest time, they were trying to do this research and say, you know, we, we think cannabinoid, uh, you know, cannabidiol, CBD, uh, it, it could hurt the liver. And I'm sitting here having healed my dad. When my dad was right, at the it, height it of his treatment. heal your father's liver. Exactly. And he, and he was probably taking at the end there, I think his pills, his, his oil pills were 35 milligrams of THC. And I want to say like 150 or 200 milligrams of CBD each. So he was taking somewhere between four and 600 milligrams a day of CBD, which is a massive amount. Wow. The average per, I take 30 a day to put that in perspective, right? So he was taking a massive amount and he healed his liver. And so I think, you know, the research has been dispelled on that one. And, and other than that, there's no known negative uh, side effects at all. You want to give us one or two dramatic examples of people who, besides your dad, who've been healed um, through CBD's effectiveness? Absolutely. Actually, a woman who was interviewing me just a couple of weeks back, uh, I'll leave her nameless for now, but um, she actually earlier this year was bedridden with Crohn's disease and so much pain and so much symptoms from it that she couldn't even work. She couldn't do anything. Her life was, was completely on pause and in tremendous pain. And she was actually recommended to CBD and she was recommended to take a suppository because it's, you know, it's Crohn's it's in the bowels. It's, you know, it's in the guts. So she started taking hundred milligrams a day. And by the fifth a CBD day, that was in the form of a suppository. Exactly. A CBD suppository, hundred milligrams a day. And within five days, all of her pain was gone. Oh my gosh. With, within the first week, almost all of her symptoms were gone. And then within weeks, all of her symptoms were gone and she went back to living life. And now she's another one of the people because modern medicine, they diagnose Crohn's as one of those things that never goes away. I know plenty of people who have been diagnosed with Crohn's who have absolutely no symptoms. So does it maybe go away? Like if you have no symptoms of something, is it gone? Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, you would think. <laughs> you would think, right? So that, I thought it was a pretty cool story because it was such a That's rapid, a fast story. turnaround. That's a great story. And, and I want everyone to know about you've got a feel-good library, which is a free platform you've created that is filled with empowering courses. Tell us all about that, Noah. So feel-good library, it, it came out of two needs. One, the need to give back. And, and two, the need to, 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 like, to serve this out in a way where I could get it out to the people, right? This cannabis industry has been regulated into oblivion. And I can't post on certain social medias about what we do and how we do it. So instead, I took all my, all these, everything that in the, in the seven levels of change, there is something to help you master that area. We have courses on environment, courses on energy, courses on your nervous system and tapping, courses on all these different things. And it's all there because it helps us to grow our platform and to serve people and to give back. And then our CBD is there as well. And people can buy that. And, and it's like this really awesome thing that I get to do because you know, I get to give a lot of stuff away for free now that I, I don't have to have them buy that. And, and so I get to share it and, and share the love. And get to know Noah and you'll start to feel good. Exactly. And that's <laughs> all at feelgoodlibrary.com. So right. it's easy to find. That's right. Um, do you have a message about the importance of physical, mental, and emotional healing to share with all of us? You of all people must have. 
about that. Why should people heal this stuff? Well, I think you change yourself and you change the world. You know, our motto, our tagline or motto or whatever you want to call it at Feel Good Hemp is when you feel good, you do good, right? When you feel good, you do good. And that do good, that feel good, it radiates to your family, to your community and to the whole world. We are all intimately connected. We are truly all one. And so when I look out at my fellow man, I don't see, oh, you know, you're different than me. You're separate from me. You know, Irene's over there and I'm over here. I just think we're one big happy family. You know, you're a drop, I'm a drop, but we belong in the same ocean. But you and I are both making differences and we're affecting people. And that's, and then it's, it's, it's like a wave and it it affects other people and it grows. Exactly. And I think that wave is taking over the world right now. And that's a huge part of the reason why the world looks like it's in such shambles. It's not. It's, it's in a miraculous position. It's like when you Talk are in a- about that for a minute, because with everything going on in the world with Ukraine and all of that, how do you see that, Noah? So you're saying you're well, seeing chaos, but you're seeing that it's, there's a positive side to it or how are you seeing it? 100% positive. So when you're in a bad relationship or a bad marriage, right? When is it the worst? Well, it's the worst right before you break up, have a transformation, reclaim your life, start a new day and create massive amounts of healing in your space. Look, if a marriage isn't meant to last, it's not meant to last. And so many people put themselves through so much suffering, so much suffering, so much suffering till finally they can't take the suffering anymore. And then they break up and then a new day dawns, right? So I would say in our medical system, in our political system, in our financial system, in our conflict resolution system of the planet, everyone can agree that they're fundamentally broken and the suffering they're creating. I don't know if you put gas in your car this week, but the suffering they're creating for the average person, not to mention, I mean, we're complaining about gas. There are people being blown up to bits with bombs while the Raytheon stockholders cheer every time one drops, right? We can all agree that there's fundamental structures about this world that don't work and are creating suffering. Just like if you were in a bad marriage, there's a fundamental structure in your life that doesn't work. It's creating suffering and you suffer and you suffer and you suffer until you've suffered enough. And then you suffer no more and you start the healing journey. And I really think that the healing journey for this planet has already begun and they're trying to hide it through the tools that they have like mainstream media and the way that they can hypnotize us all to believe certain things um, by, you know, crafting the message and stuffing it down our faces um, at the end of the day, people are waking up. There's a vibrational energy that's rising on this planet and it is absolutely unstoppable. It's the fear has not a shot in the world. And the fact that it looks worse than ever before is just even more proof to me that the fear is being destroyed and expelled because what does an animal do right before if it's an animal in nature is being in, in a fight to the death, when is it the most volatile and the most you know, loud and right before it dies, (laughs) it's going to give all it's got to try to maintain control and power. And, and so these systems of control and power and the way power works in this world and the way money works in this world, and it's all changing, but the old system is fighting as hard as it can, which is why we're going from cataclysm to cataclysm to cataclysm to try to keep us sucked in, hypnotized and locked into the old paradigm where we need to just pray for someone to save us from the endless fear and the endless uncertainty and the endless scariness of this world 
and but, the tribal and the tribal mentality also uh you know that we're not all connected we're all so separate i yeah. I've, I've um interviewed a lot of people who are talking about that we are in a period of ascension and 100%. uh and um it makes sense it just hurts to see the suffering until we get there but you know um a lot of people speak to that and tell us all the ways you're so interesting you've got so many ways to help people noah tell everyone how they can connect with you and i believe you have a promo you'd like to share with members of our audience which is so generous thank you definitely so feelgoodhemp.org is where all of our hemp products are and there's a link to our platform feel good library or you can go straight to feelgoodlibrary.com and either way you can get the whole free platform and anyone who buys any of our products gets instantly access to the whole free platform too so go whichever way you want and then rebirth 25 Rebirth 20, the number 25 is a coupon code where your audience can get 25% off their first purchase of any of our hemp CBD products. That sounds and, great. Yeah. I'll definitely put that link out for everyone. And um, what is the famous Noah tip for finding joy in life? I would say finding your breath. In, in the Bhagavad Gita, the most powerful enemy on, or the most powerful warrior on the side of good is is pranayama, the breath. And I'd say that for humans, the same is true, right? And that's why it's written that way in the book. It's one breath at a time, we can come into this moment. One breath at a time, we can release emotional hurts and traumas. One breath at a time, we can reclaim our divinity. And, you know, Kundalini Kriya Yoga, the type of yoga I do, it's a, it's a breathing practice. It's a spinal breathing practice. And it literally transforms you from within and I'm not even talking about anything that complicated. I'm talking about literally a breath, right? And you can, you can color your breath, like with food colorings. So breathing in gratitude, breathing out surrender, right? Breathing in uh, love, breathing out peace, right? Every time you transform yourself, you transform the world. Butterfly effect is for real, right? And so I just feel like one breath at a time, coming back into this moment, remembering the miracle and you can breathe in whatever you feel like you need and breathe out whatever you feel like you're ready to let go of. Right. And even just doing that once an hour is once an hour more than the average person is doing it. And it will transform you, you know? And when you're feeling the joy, you feel transformed. Guess what? Other people feel that way around you and you start to, they start to change also, which is wonderful. Noah, you're so wise and you have so much to offer to the planet. I think you are a remarkable role model for rebirth and your commitment to helping people transform into the highest version of themselves with the aid of your life coaching and feel good CBD products is deeply inspiring. Thank you for the important and transformative work you are doing in the world. And thank you from my heart for gifting all of us with this feel good interview today. And here's a reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on IreneWeinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at, at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and especially on YouTube. Like, subscribe, and hit notify to make sure you'll get the inspiring new interviews like this one with Noah coming your way. Thank you so much. And as I like to say, to be continued, many blessings. <laughs> and bye for now. Mm -hmm.